0: So this game of life, anyone play the game of life growing up as a kid? I love the game of life. Is Scott Harden in the house, if you could raise your hand if Scott's in the house. Scott, right there in the back corner. Scott and I, we, we grew up playing the game of life. My sister Joy and his, his sister Stacia, we would play the game of life all the time. I love the game of life. You got that little car, right? With the little wife. And the little kids, if you're lucky, you got twins, right? And you get your little job and you play the stock market. You do those kind of things. You take revenge on your fellow man, a.k.a. your sister, right? (laughs) You become a millionaire tycoon and you move away. You retire at Millionaire Acres. The game of life. You got some ups and downs. You got the ups, right? When you land on the... uh, the uh, doctor salary, you get like 50000 or 60000 That's pretty good. Maybe a down when you land on the tornado space. The tornado space, you never want to land on the tornado space. It's very costly. It's going to cost you a lot of money. By the way, in real life, if you spend a 7, 8, 9, or 10, you don't win in the stock market. So um, it's not quite that easy. But don't you know, real life has some ups and downs as well. It has some ups and downs as well. But unlike that board game, you can't start the whole thing over the next day. You have one life. Do you ever just sit down and think about your entire life from the earliest memories as a kindergartner through your elementary school years to junior high, to high school, through those dating relationships? Maybe it was with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, those various weddings that you attended and funerals that you went to. Maybe you were a kid and you were involved in sports. Think about all those practices that you went to, all those games, some in beautiful weather like today, but most of them in rainstorms, right? Maybe even snowstorms. Think about your first job. Think about your second job, your, your third job, your fourth job, your fifth job. Think about the time when you didn't have a job. Think about when the person, you met the person of your dreams. But also think about the time when the person of your dreams filed for divorce. Think about that time when your dog ran away, but, but you brought that little microchip that they put in the dog. So the local shelter called you up, and said, hey, we got your puppy. But it also makes you think about the time that you had to put your puppy down to sleep because he got sick. When you think about your life, you think about those various friends that you had along the way, right? Those close friends that you swore up and down would be your best friends for life. If you're a guy here, it probably meant you were blood brothers, right? Anyone do the blood brother thing? Gross. And if you're a female here today, it probably meant you were shopping at Nordstrom's. But that kind of makes you think about the time when that friend, that best friend, betrayed you. They betrayed you. They betrayed your trust, and you never saw them Again, or think about being a family where the kids were young and you go on those camping trips and you have that VW van with the pop top. You have that. Yeah, come on. Mary knows all about that, but you brought that Coleman stove and you brought that Coleman lantern. But then there was that one time when you didn't bring enough propane. So you had to cook the macaroni and cheese on the fire and it had a certain smoky flavor to it. Makes you think about the time you went to Mexico and you drank the water. Or when you went to the ocean and got your van stuck on the beach. Wait, that's me. (laughs) There's my van. (laughs) You think about the time that you were in shape and you think about the time you were not. You remember all the trophies you won and you remember the ones that got away. You remember when you were oh so happy and you laughed all the time. You remember when you were so very depressed and you felt like life wasn't worth living. You remember when you were rich and lived in luxury, and you remember when you were poor and you had to scrape to get by. And they call this whole jumbled mix of experiences, circumstances, and emotions life. 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 It is a grand idea. The very thought of life is way beyond what my mind can comprehend. The complexity of life. It blows my mind. Without thinking about anybody else, just focusing on me, which is not hard for me to do, but just focusing on myself, I can look at my life, my experience, my existence. And I can see that this life is amazingly complex and complicated. But then take the blinders off, add the ingredients of, I don't know, about 7 billion people on this earth, throw in their diversity, their complexity, their ups and downs, their highs and lows, their anger issues, father issues, financial issues, religious issues, throw in some food allergies, put it in the globe we call earth, shake it up for 30 seconds, let the dust settle, and you've got this thing we call the human race. You've got life. And life happens, doesn't it? It just happens. Life happens. From generation to generation to generation, life happens. We're born, we live, and we die. We're born, we live, some of us for a long time, some of us shorter times, and then we die. And all around this globe, on every continent, in every country, in every city, in every home, human beings are all asking
1: the same question. What is the meaning of of life. Dr. Hugh Moorhead, a philosophy professor at Northeastern Illinois University, once wrote to two hundred and fifty of the best known philosophers, scientists, writers and intellectuals of the world, asking them what is the meaning of life. Then he published the responses in a book. Some offered their best guesses, some admitted that they just made up a purpose for life, and others were honest enough to say that they were clueless. In fact, a number of famous intellectuals asked Professor Moorhead to write back and tell them if he had discovered the purpose for life. Fortunately, there's an alternative spectrum to about the meaning and purpose of life. It's revelation. We can turn to, the, turn to God, turn to what God has revealed about life in his word. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator of it. The same is true for discovering your purpose in life. Ask God. God has not left us in the dark to wonder and guess. He has clearly revealed his purposes for our lives through the Bible. It is our owner's manual, explaining why we are alive, how it works, what to avoid, and what to expect in the future. It explains what no self-help or philosophy book could know. The Bible says, God's wisdom goes deep into the interior of his purposes. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out his best in us. God is not the starting point in your life. He is the source of it. To discover your purpose in life, you must turn to God's word, not the world's wisdom, but you must bring your life on eternal truths, not pop psychology, success motivation, or inspirational stories. The Bible says it's in Christ that we found out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we have heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He has designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. This verse gives us three insights into your purpose. Number one, you discover your identity and purpose through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, God was thinking of you long before you ever thought about him. His purpose in your life predates your conception. He plan- planned it before you existed without your input. You may choose your career, your spouse, your hobbies, and many other parts of your life, but you do not get to choose your purpose. And number three, the purpose of your life fits into a much larger cosmic purpose that God has designed for eternity. Andrei Bitov, a Russian novelist, grew up under an atheist, uh, communist regime. But God got his attention one dreary day, he recalls, in my 27th year while riding the metro in Leningrad, I was overcome with a despair so great that life seemed to just stop at once, preempting the future entirely, let alone any meaning. Suddenly, all by itself, a phrase appeared, without God, life makes no sense. Repeating it in astonishment, I wrote the phrase all up like a moving staircase, got out of the metro and walked into God's light. You may have felt in the dark about your purpose in life. Congratulations. You're about to walk into the light.
0: Thank you, Duncan. I don't have a lot of time to speak with you today. Normally on a Sunday at Lifestream, I talk for about 45 to 50 minutes, hopefully explaining in that time the truth that we had find in God's holy word, the Bible. But today I'm going to get straight to the point, straight to the point. Life is ridiculous and meaningless without Jesus Christ. Without God, life makes no sense. Hang out in the Old Testament towards the beginning of the Bible, and King Solomon writes the exact same thing in the book of Ecclesiastes. He writes, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And because of this realization, he goes on to give a response to this encouraging discovery He writes in chapter 8, verse 15. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of life that God has given them under the sun. Eat, drink, and be glad because you live and then you die. It's pointless, futile, meaningless. Enjoy it while it lasts. It's, It's actually pretty good advice. But Jesus changed all of that. Jesus changed everything in fact jesus gave every one of us in this room a hope of purpose and the surety of meaning in our lives he gave us meaning out of the meaningless and a future out of the futile we as christians understand that don't we in him we live we move and have our being but without christ life feels a lot like an unsolvable puzzle or at least just like a really cruel and mean game that we cannot win Without Christ, we try anything and everything to satisfy us, help us find fulfillment, help us to be happy and to enjoy life. We try religion after religion after religion after religion until one sticks. We worship stuff. We worship cars. We worship homes. We worship nice pianos. I worship nice pianos. (laughs) We idolize celebrity and good looks. All because what's the point of it all anyways? Let's go out. Let's squeeze out all we can out of this one brief life. But it's different with Jesus. Jesus changes everything. He solves the puzzle. He wins the game. He shows us that nothing compares to him. No car, no home, no beauty, no good looks, no money, fame. Nothing compares to him. He gives us meaning for our lives. He gives us purpose for our days. He satisfies and He fulfills. He gives us everything that we need. Everything that we need to live this life how it was meant and intended to be lived. And why would the God of the universe, through Jesus Christ, give us everything that we need to live this life with purpose and meaning? It's because God loves you. I said God loves you. You. God loves you. God loves you. Many of you do not believe that today. But I am here to tell you that God loves you. And I could tell you that a thousand times. And you can refuse to believe me a thousand times. But that's okay. God's love will not relent. My prayer is that by the Holy Spirit, God would continue to speak to you like I know He already is. That He would speak His love over you. Even after we are done with the service today. For some of you, the list of things that have kept you from accepting that love of God is so very long. In fact, you came in with that list this morning. Painful life experiences, tragedies, deaths, maybe divorce or addiction, sickness, poverty, injustice. The list goes on and on and on of the things that have kept you from believing that God loves you. But in a fallen world that is full of sin and full of darkness, full of evil and pain, I want you to know this morning that there is a good God who loves you, who loves you very much. It's true. God loves you. And many of you know that God has been speaking to you, maybe even this week. And I would tell you today, speak to him. Speak to him. we call that prayer. It's an honest conversation between you and God. Where you can ask Him for for things. you can You can thank Him for some of the blessings in your life. You can even talk about some of your frustrations and your anger about the various issues that you're walking through. And then take time to listen to what He might say back to you. Because He loves you. He really does. He loves you very much. The Bible, in fact, is just chock full of verses that talk about the love of God. Maybe you haven't heard them before. I would love to share some of them with you this morning. First John chapter four, verses nine and ten. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, that's Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ, Jesus, died for us. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. And this one's pretty familiar, but it's so powerful. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Can we say that together? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. I hope you caught the theme of those verses. The love of God is directly tied to the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. See, the world has a sin problem. It's a sin-sick problem. World. No one has to convince me, as thick-headed as I am, I realize that I have had a sin problem. Because, see, God, He is holy. He's perfect. He's set apart. I could not have a relationship with God on my own because of my sin. His perfection cannot tolerate my sin. In fact, there must be a punishment for my sin. But God loves us. God loves us and he, and he wants to call us his sons and his daughters. And he wanted us, the Bible tells us, to be reconciled back to him. So even though sin had separated me from God, he wanted to win me back from sin. This is good news. And this happens through the death of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there was a sacrifice that had to be killed for the sins of the people. And it was an imperfect sacrifice that had to be performed again and again and again. When Jesus came to this earth, he lived a perfect life without sin. The Bible says, he who knew no sin, Jesus became sin for us. He took the shame and the punishment that we deserved. Out of God's great love for us, Jesus came to die for our sins, that our sins could be forgiven and removed so we could be justified as though we had never sinned and be reconciled back to God, having eternal life with him forever and ever. This could only happen through the death of Jesus on the cross. Now, that's love, right? That is love. A love that would send His Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins, to carry the weight of our sins on His shoulders. This is love. God loves you. See, today, it's an awesome day. It's, an awesome, it's beautiful out there. It's Easter. We're singing. We're celebrating. We celebrate Easter. Easter is all about the love, all about the grace, and all about the power of God. We remember the death of our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. We call Him our Savior because, guess what? He saved us. We were dead. We were dead, dead, dead. We were dead in our sin. That's what the Word of God tells us. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy... Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. This is good news. This is really good news. We were dead. Dead. But because of God's great love for us, we are made alive with Christ. And on Easter, we don't just remember his death. We remember His resurrection. He is alive, He is alive, He is alive. Yes, He died, He was crucified, but on the third day, He rose again. So not only are my sins forgiven, they are forgiven forever. Through my faith, my belief in Jesus' resurrection, I now have the assurance of eternal life. He is alive, so I am alive. Like Pastor Randy said, He is alive, so I am alive. With that idea, that whole, that whole principle of life being meaningless, the vanity of all vanities, that just goes out the window, doesn't it? It goes out the window. Now, if there was no resurrection, if there was no resurrection, the Apostle Paul tells us this. If there's no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, what hope would we have of being raised from the dead? But Easter, it's all about the fact that we do serve a risen Lord, one who could not even be stopped by death itself. Hallelujah. And because of that, we have the hope of eternal life with him. So praise God. As far as my life is concerned, praise the Lord. This life on this earth, it is only the beginning. I get so excited about that prospect. I can agree with the Apostle Paul that even though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The best is yet to come. So I don't get discouraged. I don't lose heart. I keep the faith. In fact, faith within me arises. Faith in God within me is growing day by day. Because even if everything collapses around me, if all of this crumbles, I know that I'm still at the beginning stages of my life with God. This world is not my home. It isn't. I live like it is sometimes. But it isn't. And our time on this earth, it's so very brief. But Jesus tells us, he tells his friends, he tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. For in my Father's house, Father God, there are many, many rooms. And Jesus has left to prepare a place for us. This is not the end. This is not the end. I didn't know if you knew that or not. This is not the end. And it's because of the love of God. This is not the end because God loves you. And nothing can separate us from This amazing love. Nothing can separate us from this love. This is a truth that the Bible hits out of the park. As much as I am so excited about the Mariners opening day tomorrow when they will beat the Oakland Athletics, they will beat the Oakland Athletics. This truth is way better than a home run. I mean, they do not even compare these two truths. Listen to what the Bible says. It states that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. This verse, this truth, it satisfies my soul as a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. As a Christian, I have the assurance of God's love. I have the assurance of His grace and His forgiveness and God's offer of eternal life. What about you? How about you? How about you? And let's be honest. What could I really say? In 15 minutes, that would convince you that God loves you, that Jesus came to this earth to save you of your sins, to give you eternal life. I would actually say nothing. As much as a salesman can't convince you to buy those Ronco knives or a ShamWow mop at the fair, I don't think I can do much here either. But the difference between me and that guy at the fair is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you today. In fact, he's been speaking to many of you long before you ever got here today. For some of you, things have been happening to you lately where you say, "What a what a coincidence. What a coincidence that my friend emailed me that encouraging note when I was struggling. What a coincidence that my refund check came from the insurance company right when I needed it. What a coincidence that I didn't get in that car accident. Or that I flipped to that channel with that preacher describing my needs and my sickness. What a coincidence that my family member or friend invited me to come to church today. When deep down in my heart, I was kind of hoping somebody would. What a coincidence. Coincidence? Maybe. Holy Spirit? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know the intricate details of your life. But God does. God knows you. He knows those intricate details of your life. And did you know that He cares about every single one of them? He even knows the number of hairs on your head. I always thought that was so ridiculous. What a waste of time. (laughs) But that shows you how much God loves you. That is amazing. He knows you intimately. And He has been trying to get your attention for some time now. There's a good chance that you've walked in today and... You've come in with some pretty serious and real hurts that have come from people and the circumstances in your life. Many of you come in today completely overwhelmed and exhausted. You're anxious, you're worried and full of fear. You hear what I'm saying, but it sounds like a sales pitch where if you order in the next five minutes, you'll get the set of steak knives for free. I get I get that. I, I get that. Many of you, I mean, I get it. You'll walk out of here. You go, you know what? That pastor, he's nuts. He's selling snake oil. You'll go on living the same life that you've always lived. But for others of you, the truth of who God is, the truth of what he is offering you through the death and resurrection of his son. That truth, I believe, is penetrating your heart today. He is speaking to you and you know it. His love is revealing itself to you even now. And for you, I would say this. You're not here by an accident or a mistake. In fact, I take it one step further. You are not an accident or a mistake. God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. He wants to invite you into his plans for your life. He wants to invite you into a life full of meaning and purpose. He wants to invite you into a life that will never, ever end.
2: I just need to find a place to lay down. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. It's five o'clock somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. feller. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, this looks like it's good as any. Oh,
3: I must be crazy. People will think I've lost it. I think I've lost it. Hearing voices. What the heck am I doing here? I've got way too much to do to be interrupted by some invitation. Hello out there. I'm here just like you asked. Come on, let's get this over with. This is all I need now. I'm missing meetings, teleconferences. I've got enough work to do for five people, and I... (sighs) There isn't anybody out here. I'm losing it. I must be losing it. (sighs) Great. Now, I'm going to be late for my meeting on the Los Angeles file. Come on. Come on, come on. Yeah, Ted, hey, I can't explain right now, but it looks like I'm going to miss the L.A. meeting. I know. Can you cover for me? Yes, I know about the reports. Don't worry about the charts. I'll email those. Yeah, yeah, I know. Just don't tell him. Okay, thanks. Thanks, I owe you one. Are you all right? Is there something I can get for you? Someone I can call?
4: No, I... I'll be fine. I'll be
5: fine. Okay.
3: Don't say I didn't try.
5: Whatsoever you've done for the least of
3: Hey! Years. Hey, it's you! The voice! So it wasn't crazy after all.
5: Yes, I am the one who invited you here. And no, you're not crazy. Nor are you particularly caring to those around you these days. But no, not crazy.
3: Not caring? <coughs> you mean her? Hey, I tried to help, but she said she was fine.
5: I know what she said, but look with your heart. Does she look fine?
3: No, but you can't go prying into other people's business uninvited.
5: Maybe her hurt, her need, was your invitation. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. The question is, would she risk opening up to you? Your heart seems anxious these days. All I've ever wanted you to do is stop and find your rest in me. But here you are, so busy. You don't have time to listen to your own heart, to my heart for you, even to the, the heart of those who are closest to you. My dear, even your old daughters think you're too busy to care.
3: Hey, I am not too busy. I'm not. Yeah, what do you have to say to that?
5: When did you last spend time with them? Precious gifts I've given you.
3: My girls, I... Oh. Oh, my girls. Oh, shoot. I forgot, to. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Maria, did you pick up the girls from their dance recital?
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I know. I missed it again. Oh. I'm... I can't believe I'm... What? Really? I'm sure they were great. Hey, can you stop and pick up something for them to eat? I know I was supposed to be there by now, but...
5: Well, are you okay?
4: Who, me? I guess. Well, no. I don't know. I thought I was. I was last night. Last night. I was on top of the world. He finally said it. He finally told me he loved me. Loved me. I've been wanting him to say it for so long now. It was beautiful out too. The stars are so bright. The moon, so big. Just, it was perfect. I finally gave the man of my dreams all my heart could give. And for the first time in my life, I felt loved. I felt beautiful. Me. Beautiful. I was the happiest girl in the world. Then this morning came. This morning all I found was a note. My feeling for a note. My heart for a note.
5: Your heart is worth more than a note. You are worth more than a note. To who? To who?
3: Is she going to be okay?
5: Well, that is her choice. It depends on what she does with her heart next. But if she makes the right choices, how about you? How are your girls?
3: Oh, they're just great.
5: Are you sure?
3: Of course I'm sure. I see them all the time. And when I'm not with them, they have the best nanny in the world.
5: When did you last spend time with them?
3: Well, I've been home late from meetings for the last three nights. They were at their grandmother's the night before that. So, I guess it has been about five nights or so. But we had a great time together. We stayed up late, rented old movies, eating popcorn and... Hey, you're not trying to say that I'm a bad mother, are you?
5: I'm not trying to say... Because
3: I work hard to provide for them what I never had. Besides, I have an important position that demands my time and commands a lot of respect.
5: My child... Maybe you should give them more of what they really need, more of you. Your position as vice president of everything seems to be more important in your heart than your position as their mother. Their respect is what you should be after. Right now, the nanny has more of it than you do.
4: What? I knew I could do it. Yes, I just knew I could do it.
5: Is it worth it?
4: What? This? Oh, yeah. I mean... I guess so. Hey, it's important to prove yourself. Plus, this way my brother gets a birthday present. And I, well, I don't know. Everyone else I know does it. The guys at work, at school, they're good people and they do it. At least now I'll fit in. You know, man, it's important to feel like you belong, like somebody cares for you.
5: Do you really believe nobody cares for you?
4: Hey, I've had to make it on my own my whole life. I'm the only one looking out for me. My parents don't get it. Heck, my dad didn't even stick around to see my 10th birthday. And my mom, her and her new man, well, they got more important things to do than to worry about me. But me, I've got my little brother to take care of. And the guys that work in school, they're all I need. And after they see how I hooked my brother up, well... So, stealing things, trying her just to fit in, does that seriously fill your heart? Hey! Ain't you ever sacrificed your heart for something that you want? How about you? You see, everybody pays the price to get what they want. Dude, keep it down, man.
2: Crying out loud. Can't you see there's plenty of people sleeping? Hey,
4: what's your problem? Problem? <laughs>
2: problem, man. I ain't got no problem Problem? <laughs>
4: Is he going to be okay?
5: Not really. His heart has been stolen, too. Not exactly like yours, but stolen. I've been trying to talk to him, invite him in, but he ignores me. Oh, I know that he can hear me. He hears me as well as you all do, but still ignores me.
4: Mister, are you going to be okay? Do you want to talk?
5: Do I want to talk? I want to talk?
2: Who wants to talk? Just leave me alone. Y'all just... Just... Just leave.
3: Does he have somewhere to go? Family or something? Ask him. Excuse me, mister. Do you have family or... Someone to give you a hand?
4: Family?
2: Family. I had family once. But that that was a long time ago. Just...
5: It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, son, but you certainly were a much different man back then.
2: A different man? A different man? Who do you think you are? Okay, I hear you. Fine, I admit it, I hear you. That little voice inside that just doesn't shut up sometimes. Truth is, I remember even hearing you as a child. A child. Lest they come like little children. My own child used to hear you too. I remember sometimes we'd be sitting in church back when we went, or sometimes we'd just be walking in the park, and he'd say that he heard you speaking to him. i just... I just thought he was an innocent boy until these, well, these last couple years. And yes, okay, I've been ignoring you. I have ignored you. What do you expect, man? The truth is, the truth is I didn't even believe you had the guts to come and talk to me again. After what happened? Where were you on that day? You're talking to me now. Oh, yeah. But where were you on that day? Where were you? When we needed you the most.
5: I was there. No,
2: I was there. I was the one who was there, and I—I I saw it all, man. I saw it all. Oh, he was—he was so beautiful. He had this—this this beautiful blonde hair. It was his fourth birthday. We got him—we got him his first bike. Oh, you should have seen the look on his face. He came running, and he jumped up into my arms and wrapped his arms around my neck. Oh, I thought I would feel that hug forever. Now, I can barely remember what those little arms even felt like. He had this beautiful blonde hair and this, this great big boyish smile. You know, that kind of smile that makes you wonder what a kid's thinking. <laughs> had enough spirit for a dozen boys his age. In fact, I knew. I knew the minute he hopped on that new bike, oh, he'd run that thing like he'd had it from the day he was born. I was so proud of him. We were just out on our little sidewalk, and he didn't even hardly need my help, man. He just all the way up to the corner, and then the corner. this, This drunk driver came around the corner. I don't know what he was doing on our little street. What the drunk driver? Just our little street. I don't know what he's doing. It was just our little street. We were just, we were just.
4: Yeah, for God's sake, just leave him alone. God, God, yeah, that's whose fault it is. Let God come
3: down here and deal with the demands of a high-profile position. Try to be a leader while providing for those he
4: loves. Yeah, let God deal with expectations and peer pressure. Let God be ignored. Let God tell Phils not to be accepted for who you are. Let God give his heart to people only to have them thrown away and despise you. Let God feel hurt. Let God be rejected. Let God come down here. Let him lose his only son.
0: Wow. The invitation is so clear to me. Jesus died. He rose again to make a way for you and me to be with him forever. I love the end of that drama where each person finds himself in the embrace of Jesus. And that it's through the embrace of Jesus that the Father's love is revealed. The Father is revealed Through the embrace of Jesus Christ. You know, that's exactly what Scripture tells us. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus makes a very bold, clear, declarative statement. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And today Jesus would say this to you. I believe he is speaking this to you today. He would say, come and follow me. Come and experience the joy and the wonder of living in my kingdom. Come and drink from the well that does not run dry. Come and accept my father's free gift of grace. Come, I will give you living water. Come, I will give you the Holy Spirit. Come, I will give you eternal life. In the Bible, there's a very powerful verse. It's Romans 10, verse 9. I'm actually going to put it up on the screen. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I would love for us to all say that together. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I hope that scripture is crystal clear. To you this morning, regardless of how you came in the sanctuary today, regardless of what sins you may or may not have committed, what choices you've made, regardless of how you've lived your life up to this point, if today you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart, if you trust and have faith that God raised Jesus from the dead, today you will be saved. You will be forgiven of your sins, free from the weight of your sins, free from the weight of your fears and your failures. Today would be the first day of a new life in Christ. You know that's what the Bible tells us. When you repent, when you turn of your ways, when you accept by faith the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you are born again. You're given a new life. This means you can leave here today being miraculously transformed. When you become a Christian, you become holy before God. No longer separated Him, separated from Him by your sin. No, you are instantly Instantly, the Bible tells us, have the Holy Spirit come within you and take residence inside of you. This is an incredibly encouraging and amazing truth. That the Holy Spirit would then be constantly present in your life. Always available to help you as a Christian. From this day forward, he would provide for you everything that you would need to live this life for him. Where you once relied on your own understanding and you relied on your own knowledge, you could now set your mind and your heart on the Holy Spirit. And he would give you the wisdom and the knowledge beyond what you could ever imagine. He would begin to transform your heart. Some of you are so desperate for your heart to be changed. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. You find yourself loving the things that please God and even hating the evil that you once loved. You will find that your will, you know your will, that stubborn will that was once captive to sin would be set free at last to submit to God. Yes, you could still choose right. And yes, you could still choose wrong. But as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, you would want to obey God. You'd want to please Him. So even when you did sin, you would stop as soon as you were able to. Because now your will would be to please the Father. Because you know the truth. In fact, the truth resides within you. And the truth sets you free. I so desperately want that for every one of you in this room this morning. Today... Is the day of salvation. God loves you. Would you bow your heads with me. As I pray. Lord you are speaking to us. This is a holy moment. I pray that no one would. Just jump past what you are doing right now Lord. What you are speaking to us. Right now. Some of us came into this room just feeling dirty, just feeling unworthy, feeling like there's a stain upon us that on our own we could never remove. And without Jesus, that is so true. We cannot take away our own sin. But today there's the promise of one who can take away our sins. Father God, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who can take away our sins. That regardless of how we came in this morning, we can leave this place free, forgiven, righteous, justified, and holy. All because of the wonderful work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection three days later. I want to lead us into a prayer of salvation. If this is the first time that you're praying this prayer, this is a prayer that invites Jesus into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. And when you pray this prayer, the Holy Spirit is invited into your heart and He takes residence within you. This is a life-changing moment forever and ever that nothing would ever be able to separate you from the love of God. Would everyone please repeat after me as we pray this together? Jesus, I repent of my ways. I turn to you. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to take residence in me. Lead me. Guide me. All the days of my life. I believe that I am a new creation. I'm born again into new life. Today, I have been radically changed by your great love with all heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that today for the first time, inviting Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, I would love for you to look up at me so I could come into agreement with you. Just make eye contact with me. Yes, I see you. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yes, I see you. Absolutely. Anybody else? Anybody else? This is good. This is wonderful. This is joyous. This is a celebration. Amen. This is good. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Yes. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Lord, we thank you for these decisions to accept your son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you are speaking to us, God. And, and we need your help because this world is kind of hard to live in. And there's a lot of pressures up against us. And there's a lot of men who, who look my way and, and, and we have it up against us, Lord, with this world that preaches sex and preaches drugs and preaches alcohol and preaches the party scene. Uh, it's hard, Lord, to live this life. Uh, for you, God. But I know by your Holy Spirit, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and that we are victorious in you, Jesus. And that not only that, we don't have to walk through this life miserable as Christians. We can actually have a lot of fun. We can have a lot of joy In that we can even be happy in you, Jesus, because you set us free from the captivity of sin in our lives. And I pray that over every person, Lord, that looked my way, that they would know they are forgiven and free. Lord Jesus, even speak that right now by your Holy Spirit. That no one would walk here, walk out of this place feeling condemned or feeling shame or guilt for their sins. Instead, they could know that they are free. God, speak that. Even now, speak that, Lord, over this church and over this congregation. Thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful sacrifice on that cross and your glorious resurrection three days later. It's in you and your name that we pray all these things. And in your glorious name we pray. Amen.